Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. The theme for today's Easter sermon is Made New, How Easter Changes Everything. Made New, How Easter Changes Everything. And we will specifically look at how Easter changed everything for a woman named Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. She's been called one of the best-known and yet least understood names in Scripture. And you may recall a a novel from back in 2003 entitled The Da Vinci Code. Anybody read or familiar with The Da Vinci Code? Um, That book asserted that Mary Magdalene was romantically involved with Jesus and actually even married to him. Well, much of that storyline comes from extra-biblical sources known as the Gnostic Gospels. They have no credibility whatsoever, and they are, in essence, what we might refer to as tabloid Gospels, containing lots of juicy gossip, but little, if any, factual information. And then there was the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, and probably more of you are familiar with The Passion of the Christ. And while there are some good things about that movie, one significant error is the depiction of Mary Magdalene as the woman caught in adultery that Jesus saved from stoning in John 8. But once again, there's no biblical support that that was Mary Magdalene either. And finally, she's also been falsely identified as the woman of sinful reputation in Luke 7 who washed the feet of Jesus with her hair. And so some of these um, connections with Mary Magdalene and these other women have become so common that you may have just kind of accepted that that's who she is. But once again, there's no biblical evidence for this. The fact of the matter is, we don't know a whole lot about Mary Magdalene. Because the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about her, but what it does say is very, very significant, and we should pay careful attention to it. She is, in fact, a prime example of how Easter changes everything. And so what does the Bible say about Mary Magdalene? We're going to give four very quick points and show how Easter changed everything for her. And first of all, Mary Magdalene was delivered by Jesus. She was delivered by Jesus. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, she's referred to in Mark 16, 9 this way. It says, Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And so while we don't know a lot about her past, what we do know is that it was characterized by spiritual bondage, by darkness, a condition in one form or another, to one degree or another, affects us all. Every single one of us. Jesus said so in John 8, 34. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, anybody here a sinner? Okay. Anyone who practices sin, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And that just rings true for us, doesn't it? The good things we want to do, guess what? We don't do them. And guess what? The bad things that we don't want to do, what do we do? We do them. It's almost as if something has a hold on us and enslaves us, shackling us to things like addiction, 
depression, fear, anxiety, bitterness, rage, selfishness, materialism, and the list could go on and on and on, and we can all find some common point of connection. And no matter how hard we try on our own to to kick it, to get rid of it, to go beyond it, whether through willpower or New Year's resolution or turning turning over a new leaf or just gritting our teeth and saying, this time I'm going to do it, we're utterly unable to set ourselves free. And that was Mary Magdalene's story until she met Jesus. Until she met Jesus, who set her free from her shackles, who delivered her from spiritual bondage, and therefore enabled her to become the daughter of the king that she was always meant to be. Mary became a living example of John 8, 36 that says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That was Mary Magdalene's personal experience with Jesus Christ. She was delivered by Jesus from spiritual bondage. And this leads to the first point in our section of application. If if you're keeping notes, if you're writing notes, go to the second page of the notes under the application part. And number one under that section is this. It's in the form of a question. Have you been set free like Mary? Have you been set free like Mary? Now listen carefully. Freedom begins. Freedom begins when we turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus alone for forgiveness. That's called justification. That's a fancy word which means that we are saved from sin's penalty. Freedom begins when we turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus alone for forgiveness. And then freedom continues. And I think this is something that we don't emphasize enough in the church. We don't emphasize enough among the body of believers. Freedom continues through the work of sanctification in which we are saved from sin's power. We, we, we acknowledge that we're saved from the penalty. I don't think we give enough attention to sanctification, which causes the power of Jesus. It's in sanctification that we apply the power of Jesus to destroy Satan's strongholds in our lives. Those things that shackle us, those things that I listed earlier, those things that hold us back from being all that we could be and should be. The power of Jesus is sufficient. It is more than able to deliver us from those things, but that is a continuing work in our lives of sanctification as we apply the power of Jesus. So it's important to note that even as believers... Even as believers, we are on a journey of freedom, applying the power of Jesus to destroy the strongholds of our lives. Does that make sense? My fear as a pastor is that far too many of us get stuck in the bondage when we could be free, but we don't understand that we can be free. I think we just assume that, you know what, I've been saved from sin's penalty, but I just have to kind of gut it out until Jesus returns. I have to stay in my shackles. I have to stay in my bondage. That is not the case. And if you're here today and you sense that you are in need of some help in this journey of freedom, then there's help. Please reach out to us. We would love to to connect with you. We would love to talk with you about how to take next steps on that spiritual journey to freedom, applying the power of Jesus Christ to destroy strongholds. The freedom is available. That you would be set free like Mary. 
So what does the Bible say about Mary Magdalene? Number one, she was delivered by Jesus. Number two, she followed Jesus. And let me just say, this is my favorite point in the sermon because of how she did it. She followed Jesus. What else would you do after being set free from seven demons, to be released from spiritual bondage, after being given a brand new life, after becoming a daughter of the king? What else would you do but follow the one who did this for you? And John chapter 8, verse 1 reads this way. It says, Soon after, Jesus went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So you've got the 12 with Jesus. We would assume that, going with him wherever he goes, but they're not alone, are they? Who's with them? There's some women also following Jesus. Where did they come from? Well, in our study of Mark's gospel that we'll return to next week, uh, we've seen Jesus ministering in this region of Galilee, right? And his headquarters up there to the north at the top red arrow of Capernaum. But then if you go south a little ways to the middle of the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, where do you find? You find a town called Magdala, the hometown of this woman named Mary. You ever wonder how she got the name Mary Magdalene? She's Mary of Magdala. That was her hometown. Likely, as Jesus was making his circuit through the region of Galilee and ministering to people, um, that is where in Magdala, Mary was delivered from spiritual bondage. Jesus set her free, and so Mary owed everything to Jesus. And you know what I love about her? She lived her life as if she did. She became a living sacrifice overflowing with gratitude for all that Jesus had done for her. And so she would follow him literally anywhere. No matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, no matter the pain, she would follow him. Um, this picture, I think, kind of in the upper left-hand corner, she would follow him along the green pastures and the still waters. But she would also literally follow him into the valley of the shadow of death, all the way to the cross. For when Jesus was crucified, we read in Matthew 27, 55, there were also many women there, meaning at the cross, looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Uh, by the way, where were the men? Where were the male disciples? Well, with the exception of John, they bailed. They fled in fear. But not the women. Not Mary Magdalene. She was there when Jesus was viciously beaten. She took it all in. When the nails pierced his hands and his feet, she was there. When he gave his final cry, she was there, staying till the bitter end, watching as all of her hopes and dreams were being crushed, dying on that cross along with her Savior. In the, in the midst of it all, Mary followed. Mary followed. And check this out. Um, she, she even followed the lifeless body of Jesus to the place where it would be buried. It says in Mark 15, 46, And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he 
was laid. Are you getting this? Are you seeing the extent of what a follower of Jesus Mary was? Her dedication to following Jesus reminds me of that old chorus that says, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. And I'll go with him, with him, all the way. All the way, even to the grave. Which leads us to the second point of application. Are you following Jesus like Mary? Are you following Jesus like Mary? Both when life is green pastures and still waters, and when life is the valley of the shadow of death? Is the driving force in your life when you get up in the morning to be with Jesus? And to follow him that day wherever he leads all the way, no matter what, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice. Or is your faith like mine sometimes? It's rather fickle. Revealing the fact that we are fair weather followers. What I love most about Mary is she followed Jesus all the way, just as the chorus said. May we be like Mary. May we be like Mary. So Mary was delivered by Jesus. She followed Jesus. And thirdly, she encountered Jesus. She encountered him. Look at John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Again, this boggles my mind. So deep was Mary's devotion to following Jesus, her desire to be with him, that she even returns to the tomb on the first day of the week to be with him. Some think that she returned to the tomb to give him a proper burial. For you see, by the time that Jesus died on that good Friday and was taken down from the cross, it was nearly sundown, the beginning of the Sabbath, at which time, according to Jewish law, activity must cease. Which means that Jesus would have been buried rather hastily and not with the care that he deserved. And Mary took it upon herself, along with some other women, to do something about that. But I think it's also likely that Mary just wants to be there and grieve. She was a follower of Jesus. The purpose of her life was to be with him. And so she went, as best she understood, to be with him. The bottom line is that Jesus meant so much to Mary Magdalene that she could not stand to be separated from him even when he was dead. She had to be with him. Well, things were not as expected at the tomb. For it says in the second half of verse 20, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, imagine that you're Mary Magdalene walking up to the scene. You had earlier seen where Jesus had been buried. And now you come into that same location, but it looks different. You see this. What are you thinking? Well, we see what Mary was thinking in verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, that's a very plausible human explanation for what she's seeing, correct? But as we know now, on the other side, it's also very wrong. 
And it makes me think, how many times do we do the same thing? We interpret our circumstances through human eyes rather than God's eyes, and we jump to wrong conclusions, right? Well, we read in verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Roboni, which means teacher. Now you'll notice... Two times in these verses, did you notice that Mary is asked, why are you weeping? Kind of reminds me of the psalm, why are you downcast, O my soul? Now, it seems like a silly question to ask Mary on this scene. Isn't it obvious why Mary is weeping? The, the one that she lived for and followed everywhere is now dead. Her mind is filled with questions and fear. Was this all for nothing? Was it all a, a cruel hoax? It all seemed so hopeless. And now it appeared that the tomb had been vandalized and the body stolen. She can't even give Jesus the proper burial that she desired to give him. Nothing's going right. Her whole world is crashing down, and all she could do is cry. And maybe some of you all too personally can relate to Mary in that way today. Your world seems to be crashing down around you. Your mind is filled with questions and fear, and everything seems hopeless. Well, the good news for Mary and the good news for us is that everything, as we know, was not hopeless. Mary was not talking to the gardener. She was, in fact, talking to the resurrected Jesus. Again, back to verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And when Mary heard her name from Jesus, Jesus saying, Mary, the light bulb went on. Through all her tears, through all her grief, through all the cloudiness of what was taking place, she finally recognized the resurrected Jesus. Sorrow turned into joy. Anxiety turned into peace. Fear turned into courage. Hopelessness turned into hope. And death turned into life. Mary encountered personally the risen Jesus. She saw him experienced him firsthand, and everything changed in that moment. She would never be the same, which leads to application point number three. Have you encountered Jesus like Mary? Have you encountered Jesus like Mary? Have you, have you personally experienced him? For you see, Christianity is not meant to be merely theoretical. It is meant to be experiential. And powerful. Far too many believers are frustrated, and again, they have settled and they have compromised to believe that Christianity is really just theoretical. And I believe that part of Satan's great strategy is to trick God's people into settling 
for a powerless Christianity. In contrast to this lie that comes from the pit of hell is Ephesians 1.19. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he's, he's praying for them as I pray for you, as I pray for me. The prayer is that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Who's it for? For us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The Apostle Paul knew that what the Ephesian church needed more than anything was a faith that went beyond the theoretical. It needed to be experiential and it needed to be powerful. They in Ephesus, like we here in Cadillac, need a personal encounter with the resurrected Christ. We need that resurrection power in our lives that we don't fall into Satan's trap of settling for powerless Christianity. And do you know what is so beautiful about this? This is God's will. Sometimes we, oh, what's God's will? What does God want from me? What does he want from us? Um, This is God's will. There are certain things we know for 100% certain that God wants to do. This is his word. This is his desire, his will for us, that we experience his power, his resurrection power, not just back then, but here now. Because when he releases his power in us and through us, guess what? He's glorified. He's glorified. Church, do not fall into Satan's trap and believe his lie in settling for powerless Christianity. All right. What does the Bible say about Mary Magdalene? She was delivered by Jesus. She followed Jesus. She encountered Jesus. Lastly, she was sent by Jesus. She was sent by Jesus. Look at John 20, verse 17. Jesus said to her, Mary, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. In verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Question for you. Did you know that Mary Magdalene was the very first apostle? That's going to need some splaining, isn't it? What I simply mean is that the Greek word apostolos, as we have studied in the past, it literally means what? A sent one. A sent one. And that's what Jesus is doing here after his resurrection. He tells her not to cling to him. Why? Because he has a job for her to do, an apostolic job, a mission. He would send her to share her Jesus experience with the others, which, in again, in a very literal sense, makes Mary Magdalene the very first apostle with a lowercase a, not the 12 with the big A. And there are a couple of other important, interesting things going on here. Uh, First of all, notice that the very first witness to the resurrection was a woman. The very first witness to the resurrection was a woman. Not one of the 12, not one of the men, not even the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. It was a woman, Mary of Magdala, the one Jesus delivered from seven demons. That's quite unexpected, is it not? In that culture... Women were not considered credible witnesses. 
their testimony would not even be recognized in a court of law. And so when Jesus chose Mary Magdalene to be the very first witness to the resurrection, it is yet another example of how Jesus went against the culture and elevated the status of women. Now, let me just make a little aside here. He did not erase the, distinct, the distinctions of the genders, but he did elevate the status of women. Another interesting and important thing going on here is Jesus appearing first to Mary Magdalene supports the truthfulness of Scripture. Why would I say that? Well, because if you're looking to make up or fabricate the story of the resurrection, you wouldn't choose her to be the first witness, would you? That's not how you would write the story. It wouldn't, the first witness wouldn't be a woman. It wouldn't be a formerly demonized woman. It's not how you would write the story, because in the standards of that culture, she was not a credible witness. And yet, Mary Magdalene is named by all four Gospels as a witness of the resurrection. Again, that's just not how you would make up the story. You'd only write it that way if that's what happened. Which lends to the story credibility and authenticity. Well, what's the point of application here? It is the question number four. Are you witnessing for Jesus like Mary? Are you witnessing for Jesus like Mary? You see, the mission and the mandate that Jesus gave to Mary Magdalene is the very same mission and mandate that he has given to us. It is our church's mission statement, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says to Mary, go, tell. Jesus says to us, go, tell. Tell about your encounter with Jesus. Tell about how he has set you free. About how Easter changes everything. The mission and the mandate given to Mary is the mission and the mandate given to us. And so we ask the question, are you witnessing for Jesus like Mary? And so what does the Bible say about this fascinating character that I wish we did know more about? Mary Magdalene, she was delivered by Jesus. She followed Jesus. She encountered Jesus. She was sent by Jesus. And in so many ways, again, her story is our story. Easter changes everything. And let me leave you with this. If, it, if something about this story this morning has resonated in your heart, it just might be that God is speaking to you. It just might be that God is challenging you to take some next steps on your spiritual journey. I pray that that is so. But you need some community to take those next steps. You need some, someone or someones to walk alongside with you as you take those next steps in your spiritual journey. If you desire to see change in your life the way that Mary Magdalene saw change in her life, would you do this? Take out your phone. Select your texting app. And put in the number that's on the screen. 231-261-1112, and just text the word change. And if you would be so, help, it would help me a little bit if you put your name. Put your name with it. 
but it would be a very simple way to give us the opportunity just to follow up with you, not to embarrass you, not to um, overwhelm you, but just simply to respond and say, how can we help you to take those next steps of change, the way that Mary Magdalene experienced change, the way that Jesus wants you to experience change, that you can be all that you could be, all that you should be in Jesus Christ. That is our desire for you, and we would love to have the opportunity to do that. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I love the blunt honesty of Scripture. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't hide people's flaws and their sins and their pasts. It gives us the straight deal, and it shows us that we are not alone. Those people were needy, and we are needy. Those people needed a Savior. We need a Savior. Those people needed to be delivered, and we need to be delivered. And so, God, I thank you so much for Mary Magdalene. What a powerful example of one who was in such deep, deep bondage, and yet she became a daughter of the king. God, for those who are here today who are suffering, who are struggling in the midst of some kind of spiritual bondage, perhaps they just simply don't, who don't know you on that level, baptized today as they testified, perhaps there are some today who, who don't know you on that level yet. Whatever that next step is for those who are gathered here today, God, I pray that they would follow the leading of your spirit, that they would step out in faith, and that they would express that desire to experience the change, the freedom that can only come from Jesus Christ. We thank you that Easter changes everything. And all of God's people said, amen.